Father God, as we open up your holy word to a difficult book, the book of Leviticus, we just pray that our eyes may be opened, that our hearts may be opened, and that through the words and the revelation that you have given us here, that we would understand in a greater way the full extent of your love in giving your son so that we would know the great cost that was given on the cross for one reason and one reason alone that you love us and that you wanted to draw near to us give us eyes to see and ears to hear we pray these things in jesus name and all god's people said amen amen, amen. you may be seated I encourage you to open up your Bibles uh, to actually the book of Exodus near the end, uh, or you can just look for Leviticus, the first of Leviticus, you'll be in the right place either way. Exodus 40, verse 34, we're going to read that in just a, a moment together. Our study of the book of Leviticus takes us uh, geographically uh, to the foot of Mount Sinai. We are told in Leviticus 7 that God has given these words to Moses at the foot of Mount Sinai as God's people entered into the desert of Sinai. You may remember from your Old Testament Bible history that God came to Abraham and God came to Abraham and said, Abraham, through you, I am going to build a nation. And Abraham, that blessing is going to be for you and for your children and for your children's children. And that promise was passed on to Abraham. And then it was passed on to Isaac and then his son Jacob. And you may recall that Jacob had 12 sons. One of those sons was named Joseph. Joseph was sold by his brothers in to slavery into Egypt, which ended up being a good thing for them because Joseph rose to second in command. And then when famine hit the land, his brothers were able to go down to see Joseph and they were fed and cared for and they relocated their family in Egypt. Over time, God's people continued to live in Egypt and the Hebrew nation grew. And as they grew together, they soon became slaves to the Egyptians, and there they were in slavery for 400 years. But God continued to hear his people call out to them. God continued to remember his promises to his people. And God sent a deliverer, Moses, to save his people. And so Moses rescued God's people out of Egypt, and they crossed, into the, uh, they crossed the Red Sea, where the water was parted, and they crossed on dry ground. And now as they travel down, they are in the Sinai Desert. And here they are at the foot of Mount Sinai. And here, God comes to them. And he says, I want you to do two things. I am going to give you first my law and my commandments. And the second thing that I want to happen is I want you to build a tabernacle for me. The word tabernacle is mishkan. And Mishkan means uh, a residence, a dwelling place, 
a house. And God came to his people, and he says in Exodus 25, these words, he says, have them, Exodus 25, verse 8, have them make a sanctuary for me, and I will dwell with them. And then in Exodus 29, God says these words to them, Exodus 29, 45, God says, have them build this tabernacle, this tent of meeting, and then I will dwell among the Israelites and be their God. Now let's not, let's not blow by this too fast. Those are incredible words, are they not? The Lord God Almighty, the creator of the heavens and the earth, is saying to his creation, I have this desire to draw near to you and to live with you and to dwell with you and to be there present with you. That is incredible that this almighty God wanted to do that, to live amongst his people. And at this time, it was just a, it was a, it was a mind-blowing uh, reality that a God would say that because in the ancient Near East, that's not how you interacted with your gods. In those days, if you had a God, he wanted nothing from you, he wanted nothing of you, other than for you to serve him and be a slave. If you were a God in those days, you had people, but they provided a place for you to live where they worshipped you. They provided food as they offered to you. They provided worship to you. And then maybe you as a God might throw some rain on them or give them fertility or bring crops to them or bless them uh, in some way. But there was no relationship between a God and between the people. They just mutually existed and they were there just to get things from one another. But here we read in these passages that God comes and he says to Israel, I want to dwell among you. I want to, 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 to be with you. That is amazing. God says, get this straight. I don't need anything from you. I, I, don't, want, I don't want, you know, this, this relationship other than just that I can dwell and just that I can be with you. This was an incredible invitation God gave to his people. But what did they do? Right when Moses went up Mount Sinai to get the law and they were supposed to get at building the, the tabernacle of God, what did they do instead? They built a golden cow to worship. They thought that was better. Let's, I don't get building a golden cow. I could get a golden M&M or a golden ice cream cone. That I could wrap my rind around. But a golden cow that I am going to worship? And you would think that that would put God over the edge, wouldn't it? That God just said, I'm going to come, I want to dwell with you, I want to live with you, I want you to be my people, I will be your God. And you built a cow and worshipped it? Enough of you. That's what you would think God would say. But he didn't. He said, build my tabernacle. I still want to dwell with you. And when they built the tabernacle, reread these words that Greg opened the service with. In Exodus 40, 34, it says, Then, then after they built the tabernacle, see the concept, they built the tabernacle as God told them, then the cloud covered the tent of the meeting, and the glory of the Lord filled the tabernacle. That's incredible. 
That's incredible that the glory of God came down and filled the tabernacle, that there was an intersection right there between heaven and earth. And for the first time since God walked with people in the Garden of Eden, God is now present with his people here on earth. The glory of the Lord. My goodness. It filled the tabernacle. Moses could not enter the tent of the meeting because the cloud had settled on it and the glory of the Lord filled the tabernacle. In all the travels of the Israelites, whenever the cloud lifted from above the tabernacle, they would set out. But if the cloud did not lift, they did not set out until the day it lifted. So the cloud of the Lord was over the tabernacle by day, and fire was in the cloud by night, in the sight of all the Israelites during all their travels. And then the story continues in Leviticus 1. It says, The Lord called to Moses and spoke to him from the tent of the meeting. Friends, this is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. The glory of the Lord came and filled the tabernacle. But Moses could not enter. Twenty-seven years ago, baby Rebecca came to live in our house. Very cute. Baby Rebecca came to live with Bob and Amy. And when we were going to have Becca come and live with us, we didn't just bring her home. We had a lot of things to do, a lot of things to prepare for. Baby Becca required a room to live in. She needed a bed. She needed the appropriate uh, blankets and comforters. She needed a changing table. She needed a diaper pail. She needed clothes to put on. Uh, We needed to get a whole host of diapers in the house. We needed to uh, have baby food and formula and bottles. We needed to uh, make sure that uh, the that the plug outlets were covered. We had to make sure cupboard doors could not uh, open up. We had to shut down the wood stove so baby Becca wouldn't burn herself on the wood stove. There was a lot of preparations that we had to make in order to bring baby Rebecca home to live with us. And I want you to keep that in mind, the preparations that we had to make to bring baby Becca home with us Because I believe that's what the book of Leviticus is about, but with a tweak to it. And the tweak is this, that God is saying, here is my house, my tabernacle, my dwelling place, and I am inviting you to come into it, but I'm not making the preparations because I am God, and I am a holy God, so you have to make the preparations to come into my house. We don't just show up to God's house and stroll right in. There are preparations that need to be made when we go into God's house and into God's presence. Because in God's house and presence was the glory of God. And in that house with the glory of God filling it, it made the it made the tabernacle holy. Holy means set apart. And it was set apart from this world. It was set apart from from us, his 
creatures. It was set apart from everything because he is God Almighty and holiness defines his character. Everything about God is set apart. He is, he is set apart in his, uh, uh, that he doesn't sin, that he's pure, that he's righteous, that he's holy, he's perfect. He's set apart in his love and in his grace. He's set apart in his justice and he's set apart in all ways and all things that God has set apart from us. He's holy. And so God says, if my glory is filling this place and I have made my house holy, then in order for you to come into my house, you are to be holy as I am holy. You are to be holy as I am holy. If you are going to come into my house, and if I am going to dwell with you, and if, <coughs> excuse me, and if I am going to draw near to you. His holiness is the defining attribute of God. The angels we read in Revelation 4, 8, continue to sing, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty, who is and was and is to come. And as we see God in his holiness, we have to recognize that it, all, it comes with blessing and goodness, but it also comes with some danger. Blessing and goodness, and it comes with danger. Maybe you can think about it like we sometimes think about the sun. Okay? The sun brings good things to us. The sun brings warmth. The sun brings light. All of that is very good. But if you start moving too close to the sun, suddenly it becomes dangerous. Radiation will come your way. You will burn to a crisp if you get too close to the sun. It can be dangerous. You need to stay in the right proximity and the right relationship of, with the sun in order to maintain its goodness. And the same is true as we approach God. We must maintain the proper relationship to his holiness. Otherwise, it becomes dangerous for us. Why does it become dangerous to us? Greg already spoke about that. Because we are not holy. We are not holy. We come into this world and we are born as sinful people. The word sin at its core means missing the mark. And the scriptures tell us in Romans that all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. He is set apart and no matter who we are, we have fallen short of the glory of God. And if we stroll into the presence of the glory and the holiness of God, having fallen short of him, it is dangerous for us. And the scriptures tell us that the wages of sin is death. So here we are. We are born dead into our sins. And yet God wants to dwell with us. He wants to live with us. He wants, to draw, and he wants us to draw near to him, but he is holy, and we are not holy. And we see this lived out in the very opening of our reading, because Moses, right there, Moses, it says, could not enter the tent. And then in Leviticus 1.1, it says, the Lord called to Moses and spoke to him from the tent. I would think of anyone could draw near to the presence of God. In my mind, it would be Moses. 
I mean, he's top tier for me, right? If you list top tier godly people, Moses makes it to the top of the list. And so I'm thinking if Moses can't get into the tent because of the glory of God and the holiness of God, then we got a problem. And that's exactly what we have. We have a problem. God has come to dwell. He says, I want to dwell with my people. You need to be holy as I am holy. But the people are not holy. Moses is not holy. And so no one can enter into the presence of God. And so as the prophet Isaiah says in chapter 53, he says, our sins have separated us from our God and our sins have hidden, because of our sins, he has hidden his face from us. How in the world? Are we ever going to get into God's house? How in the world are we ever going to be able to draw near to God? I mean, I think you you should perk up at this a little bit. Because at the end of the day, this is the, the, the one question that matters, doesn't it? When all is said and done on this earth, which is temporary and passes away, there's going to be a day where the only thing that matters is do you have a relationship with God? And so right now, this, this question ought to just, just ought to rock you at the very core of your being. More than anything else you're doing in life, this is a question that ultimately matters. How can I draw near to God? Because God is life, and living without God in sin is death. But right here, Moses... Even Moses can't get into the tent. So how in the world is Bob Carroll going to get near God? How can that happen? If you jump in your Bibles to the end of Leviticus, all the way to Numbers, Numbers 1 one. Numbers 1.1 1, 1 says this. The Lord spoke to Moses in the tent of the meeting in the desert of Sinai. Wait a minute. Something just happened, didn't it? I don't know about you, but I learned about prepositions, you know, when I was in school, those English classes... <laughs> And prepositions talk about different how the relationships you have. And Moses is now in the tent of the meeting. Where at the beginning of Leviticus, Moses was outside the tent of the meeting. So somehow, in some way, Moses went from outside the tent of the meeting to being able to be in the tent of the meeting. What was that something that happened? What's between the end of Exodus, where Moses is outside the tent of the meeting, and the start of Numbers, where Moses is in the tent of the meeting? What's in between there? The book of Leviticus. The book of Leviticus. The book of Leviticus tells us how we can draw near to God. The book of Leviticus tells us how it is possible for God to dwell in and through and among us. The book of Leviticus 
has more direct quotations of God than any other book in the Bible. The direct words of God. And yet, how often when we read our Bibles, do we just bog down and we go, oh my goodness, and we just skip over all those words. I was watching the, the movie not too long ago with my parents, I can only imagine. And in that movie where uh, Bart's father becomes a Christian, oh, spoiler, Bart's father becomes a Christian, and Bart says, how it's going, how is it going, Dad? And his dad says, well, I, I'm trying to, I, I'm, I'm trying to read the word, I'm reading through the Bible, but uh, I got to Leviticus, what's that all about, says his dad. What's it all about? It's God, with his very words, revealing to his people how we can draw near to him, how we can be holy as God is holy. And I think it's time that we start celebrating the book of Leviticus. Because in 1 Timothy we're told that all scripture, all scripture is fruitful. All scripture is useful. That includes Leviticus. Do you know in the Jewish culture, the very first book the, the little Jewish children study when they go to school is the book of Leviticus. Can you imagine a five-year-old embracing the book of Leviticus? And by the end, they memorize the book of Leviticus. And on that first day of school, the teacher has them take their slate and they begin to write on, and the teacher takes the slate with which they're going to learn their alphabet and learn these laws and learn the ways of God, and he pours honey on that slate. And then he has the children lick off that honey because he wants them to know, as the, as the Bible says, that God's words are sweeter than anything, that they are the sweetness of life. And right here in the book of Leviticus is that law of God that they're learning that is the sweetness of life. And David said, of your law, O Lord, I delight, I delight. Why? Because right here, God Almighty, who wants to come and dwell with us and live with us on earth, is telling us how it can happen. And so, friends, I just want to encourage you over the next few weeks to do do some difficult work. I know it's difficult work, but we're in this together. And we're going to read through this together, and I encourage you to pick up one of these reading guides that we have in the back, or you can find this information online, or we even have it printed in your bulletin, what sections we're going to be reading each week. And we're going to look at this together. And we're going to discover how we can draw near to God and how God can draw near to us. And as we read through this, I want you to know this. We're going to be standing in the shadow of the cross. Because in the book of Romans, it tells us that Jesus Christ did what the law couldn't do. The law was unable to make us holy as God is holy. Why? Because it was a failure on God's part? No. Because we could not keep the law perfectly. So again, God in his love, the God who way back to Abraham promised, I'm going to be in a covenant with you, Abraham, and this is going to be a radical thing, Abraham. I will keep both sides of the covenant. 
Abraham, I want to be your God, and you are to be my people, and if, you, if I will continue to be your God, and then even if you fail to be my people, Abraham, I'll do something about it. That's how much your God loves you. And so God, when the law was impossible for us to keep in the way God wanted it to, he sent Jesus Christ to be the sacrifice for us. He made him who was without sin to be sin so that we could become the holiness and righteousness of God. And no one comes to the Father except through him. People of God, you're here today. And just know this, you have a God who loves you and wants to live and wants to dwell with you and wants to be with you. And he has made it possible in every way. And we're going to discover that together. Exactly how God brings us into his holiness. He wants to draw near to you. And my question is, have you done the preparation? Have you done and have you accepted what God has put out there for you so that you can draw near to him? May God bless our study of his holy and inspired word. Father, we are here today and we are setting out on a, a challenge to read a word of your book that is often uh, passed by. But God, may you give us eyes to see and ears to hear, and may you give us a passion and a desire to want to read this. And not just read it because we're plowing through reading it, but God, that the passion starts with our why, and our why is that we want to live in your presence. We want to live with you. We know that life without you is nothing. Life without you is empty. Life without you is in vain. Life without you is death. And God, we don't want that. We want you. So right now, would you begin to stir a passion in each and every one of us to seek you. And as you promised in your word, it says if you seek me, you will find me. God, you're not hiding from us. You're there. You've told us everything we need to know. And God, may we hear it anew so that we can draw into your presence and that we can become your people, your kingdom people, your holy nation. Guide us, Father, in our study and in our learning. And may you show us the next step that we need to take. We pray these things in Jesus' name.